0: Good evening, everybody, and a warm welcome uh, to our service this evening and to the folks who are online. Let us pray. Lord, our Father, we thank you for the privilege of coming into your house on your day once again. And we pray that uh, we would come today and that we would come every day uh, in the attitude of the psalmist who uh, had it as the prime thing in his own heart to come into your presence, into your house, and to gaze upon your beauty. And we pray, Lord God, that we would be enabled uh, this day to see the beauty of the Gospel, to see uh, the beauty of our Saviour and the beauty and majesty of our God. Lord, we thank you that you are the God who reigns, you are the God who is supreme, you are the God who created the heavens and the earth, you are the God who is present with us now and you are the God who is disposing all things. Every action of every man, woman and child upon this earth is working towards the ultimate end of bringing glory to your name. And Lord, we pray and we long for the day uh, when Christ returns uh, in glory. Uh, Lord, to bring an end to sin and Lord, to uh, usher in the eternal kingdom in all its reality uh, for all of your people. We thank you, Lord, that we are able to come because you have called us out of darkness into the light of the gospel. And we thank you, Lord, that uh, you continue uh, to send uh, out preachers and missionaries uh, with your word to the far corners of the earth to share the glorious truth of Jesus Christ. And we pray, Lord God, that as we meet tonight, uh, that, Lord, your spirit would be working not only here, uh, but in congregations throughout our land and throughout our world, that would display uh, the majesty and the glory of your name, and that, Lord, you would be calling uh, more of those who are lost and in the darkest of darkness and that you will bring them into the lightness and the brightness of the gospel of Christ. We thank you, Father, that you have a perfect plan and we pray, Lord God, that you would unveil uh, that plan to the nations uh, to show the nations in a day when unbelief is rampant uh, that, Lord, in fact, you are God and that you are in control of all things. Lord, we pray for your blessing. Upon the persecuted church tonight, and we pray uh, that you would uphold those who are suffering for the name of Christ. We pray where they are in the uh, dark dungeons, where uh, they are suffering beatings, uh, persecution, the loss of families and homes, that Lord, they would be able to rejoice in the knowledge that Christ is Lord and that your uh, church has not forgotten them. Lord, we pray that you would build up your cause in such places as China and Afghanistan and Iran and Iraq, Lord, where there is intense persecution. And we pray, Lord, that you would bless your people in those places and elsewhere throughout the world, eh, that, Lord, they would come to know you in a deeper and a greater way as a result of you revealing yourself through your word. Lord, we pray for our own country at this time, and we remember eh, all those who continue to work to bring eh, the current pandemic to an end. We pray, Lord God, that you would bless Uh, all the medical personnel, all the carers. We pray, Lord, that you provide comfort for those who mourn for lost ones. And we pray, Father, that you would come close uh, to many and you would reveal yourself to them in their distress. We pray for wisdom uh, for our leaders, uh, that, Lord, you would enable them to see uh, the way through these difficult times. But we pray above all that you grant them spiritual wisdom, that, Lord, they may yet repent of their ways, and that they may call upon your name and seek your guidance and your blessing upon what they are doing. Uh, For, Lord, you are the one who indeed is in control, and you are the one, Lord, uh, who gives us knowledge and gives us answers uh, to so many difficult things in life. And we pray, Lord, that you would reveal more ways of treating COVID uh, and of bringing uh, the pandemic to an end. Father, we pray that you would bless those in our own community uh, who have the disease at this time, and ask that you would uh, protect them and prevent uh, any from uh, dying. And we pray, above all, Lord, that as people uh, struggle with it, that, Lord, they would indeed uh, look to Christ, uh, recognising the shortness of life, the fact that you promised none of us another day, uh, and the fact, Lord God, that today is a day when salvation can come to any home. We pray, Lord, for those who are mourning lost ones uh, within our own community tonight. We remember again the Gunn family and pray for your blessing upon them. Lord, we pray uh, that you would strengthen and uphold them and may uh, uh, they be able to look uh, to Christ as their salvation. Lord, we pray uh, for Ina again in hospital and for Angus Alec and uh, for others who may be in a similar situation. We pray that their trust would be solely in Christ and that, Lord, uh, your presence would strengthen and uphold them in times of difficulty. And, Lord, we pray uh, for each of us here now that our hearts and our minds would be open uh, to listen to your word and to rejoice in your truth and to receive it into our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If we can turn to God's word now, and we shall read in Second Corinthians, uh, starting at chapter 3 and verse 7. And we shall read down uh, to the end of chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 7. And Paul, in speaking uh, of the giving of the law, says, Now if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory, so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, fading though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that condemns men is glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was fading away came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we, who with unfailed faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Therefore, Since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Who is the image of God? For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, "Let light shine out of darkness," made His light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Amen, may God bless this reading of His Word. <clears throat>
1: I was able to get the water. 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 I was able to also, da da war erst noch trocken, da wurde auch gar. Das Schach, kat hast nie Schach ran. Gehen nein, gibt da entrocknen, also wird kat war. Achs jung auf trocken, da die alle geson. Jetzt but was the only thing that was done. It was the only and that was done. It was the only thing that was done. It 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 was done. I think that the people who are living in the world are living in the world. The people who are living a the world are living in the world. The people who are living in the world are living in
0: if we can turn back to Second Corinthians 4, and uh, I want to look at the, this passage here with particular reference to verse 6, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. God made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. (laughs) Darkness and light are common metaphors uh, in everyday uh, parlance as we speak about things. And uh, if we're struggling to understand something, we might go and do some background research or seek someone who we think can cast some light on the subject. Uh, In other situations, we associate darkness with evil, uh, with deviousness. Um, People are often afraid of the night. Perhaps some of the young children here are a bit afraid of the dark. I remember I was when I was very young. There was always that fear that there would be something out there in the darkness that you couldn't see uh, that was going to harm you. Um, For those of us who are a little bit older, uh, you may remember the famous uh, saying by um, (coughs) Anne Widdicombe about her fellow cabinet member, Michael Howard, that there was something of the night about him. And it was that implication that there was something less than honest Uh, something less than upright in his actions. And uh, Paul, in a sense, was facing a similar problem here uh, as he was writing to the Corinthians. Uh, It appears there may have been some false teachers arising uh, who, as in other situations, were trying to turn uh, the congregation, the people away from the teaching that Paul had, which was the gospel of Christ, uh, to something else. And what he's wanting to do is to cast some light upon the situation to correct that. But he's taking the opportunity not only uh, to show that he, in fact, is uh, a credible and an accredited preacher of the gospel, but also to shed light on the very nature uh, of our salvation. Uh, And therefore, he he speaks at length uh, here about the old covenant and the new uh, with references to darkness uh, and to light. Uh, So I want to look at uh, uh, this section that we read with particular reference to verse 6 this evening, uh, thinking through uh, the issues to do with darkness and with light. And first of all, I want to look at the fact that by nature, uh, all of us uh, uh, live in darkness. And uh, it's worth asking ourselves, well, in what sense does this uh, darkness exist? Uh, We can say, first of all, it's a lack of knowledge Uh, And I think there would be very few people who would dispute the fact uh, that we greatly lack knowledge. It's shown every day uh, in our own lives and in the lives of nations as we struggle to deal with many complicated and difficult problems. Uh, Way back in the early days of scripture, Job was able to say that um, the leaders of the earth were doing nothing but groping in the darkness. Uh, They couldn't find a way through. Uh, more than just simply thinking about uh, the lack of knowledge in dealing with everyday things in life. Uh, We also have the aspect of uh, a lack of even understanding uh, that God exists. Uh, The philosophers of Greece uh, are renowned for being the greatest philosophers uh, in history and for all the effort they put into their philosophy. Uh, But at the end of the day, the best thing that they could come up with was the fact that the world had been created by God, Uh, and they couldn't get anywhere uh, beyond that. Uh, because it wasn't revealed to them. Uh, We know from uh, Scripture, from the Psalms, uh, that the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the works of his hands. And people across the world are able to understand that instinctively, uh, but they can't get beyond that. Paul himself, in his first letter to the Corinthians, was able to say, where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this world? And... uh, The reality was they were nowhere uh, in terms of their understanding. Uh, And our verse here speaks even more specifically in verse 6. Because uh, Paul says the fundamental thing in which our darkness consists is this. uh, That uh, we're missing out on the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Uh, We are not seeing the greatness and the majesty uh, of God himself. And therefore not able to truly understand where we stand in this world in relation to him uh, and what our duty is towards him. Uh, but more than a lack of knowledge, uh, David says, <coughs> uh, Paul says that the darkness has other aspects to it as well. First of all, he speaks of a veiling, as in uh, chapter 3, verse 15, uh, which we read. <clears throat> and he said, Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers the hearts of the children of Israel. And they were unable to see clearly we think ourselves, anybody who wears a veil, they don't see 100% of what is in front of them, uh, and the veil is uh, blocking out the light. Uh, in their case, uh, there was a veil between them uh, and God that they could not see. Again, in four, uh, and verse chapter 4 and verse 3, he, Paul says, Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those uh, who are perishing. Uh, but more than simply uh, being veiled, he spoke also, Of the minds of the people being dulled uh, and uh, being unable, uh, therefore, to understand the message uh, that was being given to them. He then goes beyond that and says uh, in verse 4 that, in fact, people are blind. There's a blindness afflicting them. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. So there's a blindness that's there. And uh, Paul tells us it's not a simple blindness, but it is one that's caused uh, by the God of this world, the, um, the devil, otherwise known as the prince of darkness. But it's a very specific blindness that's in place, because it's a blindness to the gospel of the glory of Christ. And that creates a big problem, because many people can be very intelligent and can see incredibly clearly. I was just reading a biography the other day and it spoke of how there were 10 lawyers in the room and they were the best lawyers that were in the business in, their, in the state of Texas and they couldn't see a way through a problem uh, until um, Lyndon Johnson uh, said, where's Abe Fortas? And he was uh, uh, recognised to be the best lawyer in the whole of the United States. They rang him up and he came into the meeting and within half an hour he had cut through the problem uh, to show how they could win a legal case. These are realities some people can see crystal clear in so many different areas and yet there's that blindness there to the gospel of the glory of Christ. People can have incredible understanding of aspects of the world and yet they're completely blind to the gospel of the glory of Christ. Going beyond that, we know from later on in Second Corinthians, uh, Paul describes the devil as masquerading as an angel of light. So not only are people blind by nature, but they don't actually know it because the devil comes uh, to us as an angel of light uh, telling us he's revealing more and better things to us and yet the reality is he is actually giving us darkness. So people are blind and they don't know it. Uh, So that is a major problem uh, for poor mankind. Uh, Jesus spoke uh, on this in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6 and 22 uh, to 24. Uh, And he said, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Jesus speaking there quite clearly. If you've got bad eyes, your body is full of darkness. The light is not getting in. And And if the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? In contrast, Jesus uh, stated quite clearly that he uh, is the light of the world and whoever follows him will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life. And we shall think further on that in a minute. Paul himself said in the the first letter uh, uh, to the Corinthians, uh, chapter 4 and verse 5, talked about Christ uh, bringing his light into the situation. He says, wait till the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness, and will expose the motives of men's hearts. There we have uh, the reality uh, of Christ speaking into that situation. Christ, who is God the Son. And the view of God the Father uh, is made known to us in Isaiah 5 and 20. Woe to those who put darkness for light, he says. Woe to those who put darkness for light. Supremely, that will be in the case uh, of the Prince of Darkness himself. But to anyone else who is in the same situation of putting darkness for life, God says, woe unto you. So in summary, we can say, by nature, we are spiritually blind. We are deceived as to what is light. We can be doing wrong and thinking it's right because it seems that the light of reality is upon it. But the true reality is that there is a judgment to come uh, from God himself uh, as he looks upon what we think of as light, but in reality is darkness that is the tragic uh, situation that mankind is in following the fall and there is no single individual escapes from that by nature so man is in darkness but the great uh, thing that we have in this uh, section of God's word here is that God puts his light into the situation so if we look at God's light for a few minutes No one can make themselves to see uh, if they are blind. It's a truly colossal task uh, to try and make someone see. And the reality when it comes to spiritual blindness is that only God uh, can do it, as we see in verse 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. A truly colossal task because he's comparing it to the light of creation. When God created the world, it was in darkness, first of all. Uh, and then, with just one word, uh, he said, for the light to come forth, and it was there. And the light came. There was no light, and then it appeared. And uh, that light was needed before man uh, could be created uh, and put upon the earth. There's, uh, plenty of atheistic scientists around today, but none and they'll claim plenty of great things uh, for mankind, but none would claim... The man himself was able to create light. Uh, We are just recipients of that light. And Paul is saying in reality that the spiritual side of things uh, are much the same. But what we have here is God saying uh, Paul saying that God made his light to shine. The light that lit up the world, and the light that lights up the world today, has been created by God external to himself. Uh, But what uh, Paul is saying here is that this light that God is shining into our hearts, is intrinsic to his very nature. Uh, It belongs uh, to himself. And as John said in 1 John 1 and 5, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. We can think of God as being 100% light. And that light consists in this, as we see uh, in uh, verse 6, our text. It's the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Uh, fundamental that is knowledge about God himself and knowledge of God's glory. Because if God is uh, as big and as great and as glorious as he reveals himself to be in scripture, then the knowledge of God is that great and glorious light uh, that should be filling our hearts. And we see uh, also in this text that it is revealed in the face of Jesus Christ. Now when we think uh, about a face, what are we actually thinking about? In reality, we're thinking about the person themselves because the face reveals the person. If um, any of us sees a picture of uh, a couple of arms or an arm and a bit of a body or a pair of legs, very occasionally you might be lucky and guess who the the person is there because you recognise the clothing they're wearing. But in most cases, we wouldn't have a clue uh, who we were looking at. But show them a face... And if you ask the question, who is this? Your answer will be, oh, that's so-and-so. But all you've seen is the face. You haven't seen the whole body. You haven't seen the whole person. But you can tell who the person is from looking at their face. And when we're looking here at the face of Jesus Christ, it's the same thing you can tell uh, in the terminology that he's speaking about the whole person. And uh, the face of Jesus Christ is a fascinating thing because the person of Christ is fascinating. He's 100% God. And yet he's also 100% man. And he was the one who was sent to this earth to live a perfect life that the first man could not live. And then to make the perfect sacrifice uh, that was needed to be made because that first man had fallen and sinned. And therefore all of us sinned as well. Verse 4. The God of this, this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ uh, who is uh, the image uh, of God. We have here Christ himself being the image of God, Christ himself being 100% God. What kind of a face uh, does Christ have if we're to look into the face of Jesus Christ? I think, first of all, we could say it's a compassionate face, uh, for he had compassion upon this earth and that he was willing uh, to come to this earth to die in our place. He had great compassion Uh, upon the city of Jerusalem such that uh, he wept tears uh, over it he had compassion on the crowds uh, when they were hungry it's also a sorrowful face Jesus was known as the man of sorrows and uh, not surprising for he had to carry uh, that burden of sin not just when he was on the cross but actually right through uh, his lifetime he had to deal with sin and to live in a world of sin live in a world uh, in which sin, that very thing which was completely repellent and abhorrent to him, he had to live in amongst it. He had to deal with it. And he had to live with sinners day in and day out. A man of sorrows. A man with a sorrowful face. We don't read of Jesus uh, laughing at any point in scripture. But we do read of him uh, being in a sorrowful state. And looking to the future, it will be a face that will be a face of judgment. For he will return again. And the compassionate uh, Christ will return to bring his people home. Uh, The sorrowful Christ has gone because he's now uh, gone to glory. And he has the joy uh, uh, that he was looking forward to. uh, Of having accomplished his father's will. And the joy of being back uh, by his father's side. But the Christ who will judge is the Christ who is yet to come. And... uh, The Christ who judges and comes and finds darkness in the world must do away with that darkness so his light uh, will be supreme. There are some aspects of the face of Jesus Christ. I suspect if we wanted to, we could spend a lot longer thinking about his face and uh, better people than me could preach many a sermon on it, I'm sure. But that light... uh, of that knowledge uh, of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It's shone and it's sent into our hearts. So it's not just a head knowledge. God isn't just asking us to say, yes, that sounds like a good gospel you have there, and nodding our heads to it. Uh, The reality is that knowledge is an important part of it. Uh, But uh, Paul in writing to Colossians spoke of being renewed in knowledge in the image uh, of our creator. Christ himself is the image of God, and we are being renewed in that image. In effect, uh, his people are being made uh, like Christ. What are some of the elements uh, that make up the image of God? What is it uh, that uh, is happening uh, to us in being made conformed to Christ, in being remade in that image of God? The first thing, as we've already been discussing, uh, is the knowledge of God. Uh, quite clear from our text uh, that the knowledge of God is an extremely important element Adam was created with the knowledge of God and when he fell he lost that knowledge Uh, he no longer knew how to deal with God and therefore he hid until God came and sought him out Christ came and he had that knowledge of God and uh, he had that knowledge of God in perfection and even though in his human nature he had to learn At each stage as he grew in his knowledge and his understanding of God, his knowledge was perfect. And for each of us, the light of the gospel of the glory of God as it is shone into our hearts enables us to look at Christ and to realise more and more who God is and uh, his nature of holiness and righteousness and uh, his nature of love in sending uh, his son to die for our sins. A second element is righteousness. Uh, The writer in Ecclesiastes said, God made man upright, but he has gone after many schemes, gone searching out many schemes. Job, uh, the book of Job introduces us by telling us that there was no one who was more upright uh, than Job. The idea of being upright is straight as opposed to crooked and bent. Job uh, was a righteous man. Jesus uh, was the ultimate uh, righteous man. And each and every believer is made righteous in Christ. That righteousness which Adam lost is restored with the shining eh, of the light of the gospel into the heart of his people. And a third key element is that of holiness. Holiness of heart and holiness of life. eh, As um, God's people are set aside to live a different life. God is holy and so therefore his people are to be holy. And uh, because God is holy, when he puts his light into somebody's heart, that process uh, of sanctification starts immediately and it continues uh, throughout their life that they might be more and more like Christ. Writing to the Ephesians, Paul said uh, that we're created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Adding that uh, to what he said to the Ephesians about being recreated in the knowledge of the image of the creator, we have these three elements, the knowledge of God, righteousness and holiness. That was summed up in um, the Shorter Catechism. Uh, How did God create man? God created man, male and female, in knowledge and righteousness and holiness and having dominion uh, over the creatures. That is what it is to be made and recreated in the image of God. And those key elements are all there. Uh, in each and every individual and that light uh, of God which shines into our hearts is what reveals the knowledge of the glory of God to us so we've looked at the darkness uh, that we are in by nature Uh, and we've seen here God's light very briefly coming in uh, to the the lives of believers but there's a remarkable third element uh, that we see in this passage here and that is our light Or rather us reflecting God's light. There is a transforming power in God's light. Which is revealed in uh, verse 18 at the end of chapter 3. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the the Lord's glory. We are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory. Which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. What a marvellous and amazing truth that is. Uh, The reality uh, of the transforming power of God, the light of His glory uh, coming into the lives of His people and transforming them into His likeness so that they have an ever increasing glory. And the effect of that is it changes uh, the way His people live and think and act because they have God's righteousness in their heart and they have God's holiness in their heart. Now we see Paul expressing that from verse 2 onwards. Uh, And he's specifically mentioning various things in relation to his own ministry and how he goes about it. But they are just as applicable to any of us ordinary believers uh, in thinking about how we should act in this world. Um, The the light of that gospel of the glory of Christ has completely changed Paul. And his will and his actions are completely different to what they were. So he's able to say that he has renounced secret and shameful ways. He could say that there's no longer uh, any distortion of the truth. Uh, And he can say in verse 5. that He doesn't preach about himself. But he points to Christ. Uh, And he also describes himself as a servant uh, of of Jesus. Not only a servant of Jesus. But your servant. Speaking uh, to the people to whom he was writing. And here we have that image. Of genuine gospel ministry. Uh, Those who will preach the word, who will not distort God's word, uh, who will not miss out chunks of God's word, who will not add in uh, their own beliefs that are contrary to God's word, and uh, who will not try devious means of any manner uh, to try and persuade people uh, to become a Christian. If you try that, what kind of Christian are you going to get at the end of the day? Paul was able to demonstrate these things in his ministry, and in reality for each of us, As believers, we should be the same. No secret ways, no distorting uh, God's word. Each of us should be a servant instead of trying to make a name for ourselves. And each of us should be serving God's people because we are servants of Christ. And uh, Paul, in that sense, was acting very much like Christ himself. uh, And in doing so, uh, he was showing God's glory uh, at work in his own life. Jesus actually said to his disciples in the Sermon on the Mount, you are the light of the world. And then again he said, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. It's a massive challenge there for us if we confess the name of Christ today. And we have to ask ourselves, how bright is our light? How much of God's glory do we reflect in our own lives? Are we shining brightly for Christ or is that glory something from the past and it's fading away in the same way that uh, the glory that was on Moses' face faded away over time till he could take that veil off and nobody would notice anything because he had been some time since being in the presence of God. The reality for all of us, I'm sure, is that whatever the world sees about, uh, of Christ in us is far too faint. And that comes because we do not spend enough time looking into the face of Jesus Christ, spending enough time with Jesus Himself, and spending enough time uh, with His Father in prayer and delighting uh, in His presence. A common mistake we all make is to focus too much on the trials and the troubles of this world. And Paul outlines them in verses 8 to 12 and then verses 16 and 17. And he didn't have his troubles to seek. And uh, he could list troubles way beyond anything uh, that we will ever experience. But he was able to say at the end of that chapter in verse 17, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. What a wonderful testimony he was able to give. He could look upon all the troubles that he had and see that those troubles were helping him to achieve an eternal glory that far outweighs all the troubles that you had to go through. That is the reality uh, that faces everyone. And uh, so we need to ask ourselves, is that the reality in our lives? Are all the troubles we face as nothing? Or even can we look upon them uh, as a tool that will enable us to see more of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ? I pray that we will. And I pray that if you have not yet confessed Christ as your saviour, you will be able to look into his face and to see that glory and to experience that light of Christ shining in your own heart. Let us pray. Laura, God, we thank you once more for the wonderful nature of your gospel. We thank you, Lord, that it is a glorious thing And that, Lord, though we were blind, yet uh, we now see. Though we are in darkness, we are now in the light. And we thank you, uh, Lord God, that you have enabled us uh, to see uh, Jesus Christ. And yet we confess our sin so often dulls our minds. Our sin so often turns us away uh, from the pleasure and the delight and uh, the supreme joy and reality of being in your presence. We pray, Father, that you would forgive us these things, that you would shine the light of your gospel into those dark recesses where we cherish sin, uh, where we refuse to give up uh, those things that come between us and you. And we pray, Lord God, that you would enable us, instead of looking at all the problems we have in this world, to look into the face of Jesus Christ, see the one who suffered more than any other, the one who suffered for our sin, and the one who paid the price of that sin, And Lord, to be drawn as a result of that to worship and to praise your holy name and to magnify your name. For Lord, we long to get glimpses of your glory and we thank you that these glimpses and these realities come when we look into that face of Jesus Christ, which is like no other. And Lord, we pray that we be able, each and every one in this place, to confess that that face is more lovely Uh, Than any other in this world, and the one alone uh, that it is worth studying and worth getting to know. For, Lord, you have the words of eternal life, and we pray that these words would find a place to rest in our hearts and be able, Lord, to change uh, our hearts and our minds and our wills that they might be conformed to yours, and that, Lord, we would long for that great and glorious day when we will be freed from sin in its entirety. And we will spend an eternity in the light uh, of the glory of heaven where there will indeed be no night, be no darkness, but there will be perfection uh, and light without sin. These things we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Paul finished his second letter to the Corinthians with our benediction. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.